Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. Welcome to Dynamic Gojo Talk Radio with Rosita and Robert. I'm Rosita De Jesus, and I'm joined here at the helm with my brother in the martial arts, Sifu Robert Deal. Sifu Bob, how you doing today? Oh, doing great. Where do I where do I begin to tell you about my week? <laughs> Let's hear about your I'm week, excited. and then I'll just okay. I well, I came up with this 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 thing where I've got to do it chronologically. And okay. I'm going to start with Thursday. Thursday, As I okay. posted, I went down. Now, you, you were by the Hollywood Bowl with me when you were down here last time, when we toured, when we did our Hollywood thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you may not remember where it was. Well, we're going, Jenny and I, my wife and I are going down to the hall to, uh, uh, oh, we're, uh, House of Blues in West Hollywood, we're passing the ball. And I guess Jenny okay. thought this was actually funny. Wait, 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 wait. Back up, back up. What? I heard we were passing a bowl. No. <laughs> of course you did. We were passing the Hollywood Bowl. Okay. The big okay. outdoor venue. Uh, we, we were going down to the House of Blues in West Hollywood, and it was something. They were having an event at the bowl. Okay, and got guess, it. And, you know, Jenny and I have been married for almost 29 years. Uh-huh. It's, after a while, you get to know each other's rhythms and know what each other's going to say, so stuff stops being funny. Mm-hmm. Well, we were in traffic. Bumper, it took me an hour to go seven miles on Friday, uh, Thursday, right? This wow. place is only seven miles in the house. It took me over an hour. Mm-hmm. So we're past the ball. I'm driving. I'm going... I hate this damn traffic. It's a nut. And I said, isn't this bullshit? Uh-huh. <laughs> because we were passing the Hollywood ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I had to keep going because it didn't sound like it clicked yet, what I no. said. <laughs> no, I, I was trying to get Facebook up, and I went, oh, bullshit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So she actually thought that was funny. Now, Friday night, her and I were host, hosting a car show at a bank for this thing they yeah. called Lady Night Out in Magdalene Park. Uh, it was really cool. They found out maybe they shouldn't put a mic in my hand while I was doing the awards. You know, I did a shout-out for the show. And afterwards, my wife says, what happens to you when you put a mic in your hand? I said, I don't know. What do you mean? She says, you turn into another person. I guess I've got this, heck, this uh, Jekyll and Hyde thing going. She says you just become outgoing. You start speaking in this different voice. Now, I know from, from talking on intercoms and businesses and microphones, my voice does drop a couple octaves. Yeah, my, mine goes, tends to sound a little more, lower. you know, breathy and a little more, a little less, uh, dude. Dude, what's up? I tend yeah, to, like, not exactly. sound like that. 
You know? <laughs> so, now, now we move on to Saturday. Saturday, okay. Saturday. We're going to get some dinner. Mm-hmm. And my 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 daughter has her has her uh, driver's test next Friday, and I'm I'm quizzing her a little bit. I said, "Honey, do you know what what are the two most uh, two holidays where people have the mo- or what are the two holidays where there's the most drunk drivers?" And you know, she's going through New Year's Eve and Fourth of July, and I'm like, "It's Labor Day and Memorial Day, the start of the summer and the end of summer." Mm-hmm. I said, that's what I learned in health class. And they looked at me and goes, Dad, when you were in health class, they were giving out report cards on stone tablets. <laughs> stone! <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, the kids so deserve a rim to, shot. That, that she absolutely <laughs> did. She, my, my wife, and it was like my wife and my daughter ganged up on me for that one. Now we move on to today. My my daughter has to go practice driving. Okay. So we're out. You know, we it was. I think it was about an hour and a half today. Half mm-hmm. hour one time, hour the next. And then, of course, now that she's driving, and this happened with my son when he started driving, all my idiosyncrasies that as an older driver you don't do anymore. You don't like mm-hmm. signal. <laughs> <laughs> like signaling? You signal. You start using the bird a little more. So that's so there is such a thing as California drivers. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and we become jaded as we get older. We become yeah, shorter. No, I agree. I agree. We, we, that that we, happens we, here too. Well, and we have no tolerance for stupid people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> None. Especially the people like... Uh, Oh, and I told the guy up at the uh, smoke shop up at uh, up by Albertsons this one time. Mm-hmm. It's irritating to see somebody pull in front of his shop in a red zone, stop, get out, go in, buy what they need to, and leave when there's right. 500 parking spots available. Mm-hmm. That's it's like when you posted that that thing about getting getting irritated about people that leave their shopping carts when they're like the next spot away from the cart drop. Yeah. Right. In fact, I saw that when I went up to I went up to the Albertsons to get coffee. The last time I was there, I walked up to get some coffee, and then I went to go into the smoke shop to get some uh, e-juice. And there was this guy parked in like the the fires the fire zone, and he just kind of comes in, and you know, and I we come out at the same time, and he gets into his car in the fire zone, and I'm thinking, really, <laughs> really? And, and there's a parking spot probably within 20 feet. It was. Yeah, it was all he had to do was like all he had to do was like back up and like scoot over one. That's all. He- <laughs> oh, I I got to back up a little bit to Thursday. Okay, Thursday. Get to House of Blues. Twenty dollars to valet park. They drive your car twenty feet. You paid twenty dollars for this in. That's you crazy. To your car. Uh-huh. They still expect a tip at the door. Wow. I think they, they they have this sign over the door that says "Drop your pants now" because you're about to get screwed. <laughs> By the way, bend up that twenty, bend over and pick up that twenty dollar bill while you're at it. Basically, right? <laughs> exactly. My wife had meatloaf. I had a burger and fries. Dinner was sixty bucks, and it was just the wow. two of us. Yeah. Well, I would expect dinner at the Hollywood And of course, Bowl. That, that included two drinks, two beers, oh, and two yeah. wines. It's not like we had mixed drinks. Yeah. Was, I, mean, wow, I would. Really? Expect- 
I would expect it to be around 60 bucks, but the parking, that's what gets me. I mean, oh my God, really? 20 bucks and then a tip? So you're paying almost like 25 something bucks just so someone can drive right. your car into a little garage thing 20 feet away. That's ridiculous. <laughs> right. Well, and remember when valet parking was just the tip? That was sort of a, an added bonus from the restaurant. Yeah. You, yeah. you gave the guy a couple bucks and they were really happy because he was parking because he was doing 20 cars. Now he's making 40 bucks. Yeah. He was yeah. ecstatic. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. I had a friend that worked for uh, uh, that worked as a valet for the Shelton Hotel here in downtown Seattle, and I would go visit her. And you know the amount of the amount of money that people gave her just to you know park a car and to get their car. You know, as far as tips, you know, she walked out of there like one day with four hundred bucks. I was like, wow, <laughs> where do I get a job? Exactly. So that was usually I don't have that big of a week. Usually it's like one thing, but I had like four consecutive days. Wow. (laughs) Sounds like an interesting week. It was a very interesting week. Very interesting. Very cool. And uh, speaking of interesting weeks, I hope that our listeners had an interesting week and will be enjoying this Labor Day weekend. Our phone number here for all of you that want to talk to our guests later or if you just want to call in and say hi is uh, 347-677-0699. We also have a chat board on our blog talk radio show marquee. Just scroll down under the marquee. You'll see a chat board. Um, If you're listening live through Facebook, try not to... Try not to uh, text us over there because I'm not over there. <laughs> my computer's being really weird, so maybe I should clear out my cache. <laughs> it's a uh, and that Don't was worry, in reference. Coming, you know what? You're coming down to LA. Yeah, that's gonna we'll, clear out we'll my cache. Sure we, we clear out your cache <laughs> for you. Yeah. Oh, and that was in reference to a joke from last week about clearing out right. cash. <laughs> Anyhow. Okay, so again, listeners, 347-677-0699. Well, let's get on with the show. Let's go ahead and get started with birthdays. Who do you have for birthdays there, Sifu Bob? This is a long list because, you know, it occurred to me next week because of an event down here, you're not, we're not doing a show next week. So I took the birthdays for the next two weeks, and we're announcing those. First cool. one. We have Jocelyn Lieberman. He's a student of Don Bear's, very good friend of mine and the show. Diane mm-hmm. Petroff, uh, she goes as fitness lady. Diane Fitness Lady Petroff from Simi Valley, California. Uh, one of the, uh, and her birthday is on the third. One of the original Beach Boys, Al Jardine, his birthday is on the third. Uh, very well-known martial artist, uh, good friend of the show, Frank Kenyette. His Very birthday cool. is also on the third. Uh, uh, Bob Gomez. Didn't you just induct Bob into the Masters Hall of Fame? Wasn't that the gentleman? Or no? Uh, no. No, that oh, was okay. Lee Farrellin. <clears throat> ah, okay, got it. His birthday is yeah. on the fourth. Goldie Mack from Texas. His birthday is on the fifth. Uh, Sifu Aldegascos. His birthday right is on. on the sixth. Uh, Tony Collins, a Facebook friend, his birthday is on the 6th, a good friend of ours, a good friend of the show, and her husband was in the original Karate Kid, April Valley-Dell, her birthday is on the 8th, a good friend, uh, my old fencing instructor, past guest on the show, Tim Weske, his birthday is on the 10th, 
Uh, past show guest, uh, Patrick McDaniel. His birthday is on the 11th of September. And a personal friend of yours, mm-hmm. uh, a Seattleite, Kimberly Ivy. Her birthday is on 9-12. And you have a few birthdays as well. Yes, I've got some friends with some birthdays within the next two weeks as well. I'd like to send a happy birthday shout-out to my martial arts friend in South King County, Master Bob Aubrey. His birthday's on September 2nd. And one of my Wushu friends, Melody Lee, her birthday's on September 2nd. I want to send a shout-out out there also to my friend, Lawrence Caberto. His birthday's on the 4th of September uh, one of the parents of one of my former students, Zaria Roland Bintz, her birthday is also on the 4th. And another September 4th birthday, Mas- Grandmaster Catherine Canete Knight. And uh, Catherine is Supreme Grandmaster Kakwe Canete's daughter. So happy birthday, everyone. And for everyone else having a birthday um, throughout the week of August 31st through September 6th, this tune's for you. everyone enjoy your birthday week well that was one of the longer lists of birthdays that we've had in a while there Siku Bob that was <laughs> awesome. one for two weeks absolutely yeah was. absolutely well let's get rolling we've got uh, we've got a few announcements I think I think you have a couple um, I don't personally have any but uh, if you have a couple I do there is a tournament coming up in the next couple months the winter Open in North County is going to be held November 16th in Escondido, California. It is uh, promoted by Renchi E. Clark Daly, a friend of mine on Facebook, of course, like everybody else. Uh, Mm -hmm. For more information, please call 760-504-5000. Five, five, five. And this weekend, however, if you sign up, you will get uh, 10% off through uh, Labor Day. You can contact them at info at wimpeyusa.com. That's wimpeyusa.com. And uh, sign up. It'll be fun. The uh, first event's $40 and $10 for each additional event. And, of course, we can't go one week. Uh, well, we can. Starting next week, we won't be announced again anymore. But we have the Martial Arts Museum Hall of Honors next Saturday, the 6th, and I believe it's a sold-out event. They actually closed down the ticket sales by, by a deadline, and then there turned out to be a bunch of people that hesitated <clears throat> too long, so we opened it up because they had 20 more tickets left. Oh, very I think cool. Those are probably gone by now. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was nice and of Michael to do that. 
<clears throat> oh, absolutely. He, he's a great guy. There's going to be a lot of good good people there. You're coming down. I'm going to be mm-hmm. there. Lisa King, Robert Parham, Dan Heck's going to try to make it. I don't know if Michelle Mon is going to be there, uh, but there's going to be a lot of great artists, a lot of deserving people getting uh, recognition that weekend. And of course, we're we're going to be having a blast while you're down here. Uh, mm-hmm. This is going to be sort of a whirlwind for you because you're only going to be here Friday night to sun to Sunday night. That's it. Yeah. Usually, you, it. you come down most times for like five days. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this time, this time it's pretty much just going to be a weekend thing because school starts um, next week here in Seattle, <clears throat> and then it's going to be back to the back to the daily grind <laughs> and stuff like that. And I'm I'm pet sitting for a friend, uh, so I have to be back by Monday because uh, another friend that she has babysitting the dogs while I'm gone isn't able to come Monday, so I have to be back in town in time to go over there and feed the dogs and hang out with them and stuff like that. So, right. so yeah, it'll be a whirlwind. And you know what? I, I said that I didn't have any announcements. I do, as a matter of fact, because I, for some reason in my head, I, in my head, my head thinks that it's still August. I look at the calendar and I went, oh gosh, you know, in a couple weeks, in a couple weeks, the Pacific Association of Women's Martial Artists will be having their annual training camp uh, from September 19th through the 22nd. Now, this year's training camp is going to be held at Aldersgate Retreat in Turner, Oregon, and it's a great retreat. Um, if, you've, uh, if you're in the Oregon area and uh, you've never been there, check it out. It's a, it's a great, great venue with uh, great cabins, and you can upgrade to the lodges there, which are really nice. Great cafeteria with real food. This isn't your hot dogs and potato chips and hamburgers type camp food. This is real food. <laughs> now, some of the people that will be teaching, well, here's a, here's a list of all the people that will be teaching. Now, keep in mind the Pacific Association of Women's Martial Artists is an organization that provides um, resources and training and uh, these yearly training camps um, for women, organized by women. And this is one of the oldest women's-only martial arts organizations in the United States. But here are some of the best women's martial arts instructors in the country. Sifu Erin Birch of Kajikembo will be teaching. Sifu Robin Dahlberg, the wife of Sifu Charles Shepard, who was a previous guest on our show and a Masters Hall of Fame alumni. Sensei Michelle Elefante of Shorinru Karate, Sensei Delina Fuchs of Danzanru Jiu-Jitsu, Shifu Kori Great of Wu Chen Pai, Sifu Lin Kessler of Kajikembo, and Dose Pares Eskrima. I can't wait to meet her. I didn't know she was Dose Pares as well. Uh, Shihandara Masi of Hakoru Jiu-Jitsu, Sensei Lori O'Connell, another previous guest of ours, um, of Kenru Jiu-Jitsu, will be teaching. Sifu Sana Shanti, who teaches Chen Style Tai Chi, Sifu Jin Yang of Kajikembo, and uh, Sensei Jamie Zimron of Aikido will be teaching, um, and I'm going to be volunteering to teach a bullwhip seminar over there. So if you guys want uh, any more information, just go to pama.org, P-A-W-M-A.org, and uh, Aldersgate Retreat is just outside Salem. It's only about an hour's drive south of Portland. So go check that out. And uh, one more announcement from the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. This comes from our very good friend and supporter of our show, Sifu Douglas Wong. Sifu Wong says, 
come join me in San Diego on September 27th at Burla's Martial Arts Center. I will be teaching advanced fighting concepts and healing methods of the White Lotus system. Please don't miss out on this special event. The cost is only $50. Please share with others and bring your friends. T-shirts and DVDs will be available. And uh, he says, see the video below for what is being taught at the seminar. And if you go to the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page, scroll down just a few posts, and you'll see that that announcement by Seafood Douglas Wong. All right. I think that's it for my announcements. And so if you don't have any more, I think we can just go on to everything. What's next? i got to look at my notes. What are we <laughs> Where are we going? We, we're at Health News. Health Stuff. Health Stuff. <laughs> All right. Gosh, I don't know what's going on. Okay. <clears throat> so I can't even find my health news thing. Oh, here we go. Health News. It's been one of those weeks. <sighs> all right. Now, we all know that junk food is bad for you and that it can make you fat if you're not careful with it, but it can actually do more than just make you fat. Um, like I said, we all know that junk food is, isn't all that great for us. <laughs> There's a reason why they call it junk, right? But a new study suggests that eating food full of chemicals and high in fat, sodium, and sugar may also reduce your interest in eating any other healthy foods. It'll actually do this to your brain. Now, this new study published in Frontiers in Psychology involved two groups of rats that were appropriately called chow and cafeteria. (laughs) i got to read that again. What? (laughs) There's a group of rats called chow and a group of rats called cafeteria. That's awesome. Okay. Now, scientists fed these groups, typical rat food, but the group called cafeteria also got additional access to highly processed human foods. So the cafeteria group got cookies, cakes, meat pies, a lot of dim sum in their diet along with their rat food. Yummy, right? Or so the rats thought, so much so that after two weeks, Scientists noticed that the rats were eating the junk, uh, that were eating the junk food lost all desire to eat anything else. Essentially, the cafeteria rats were junk food addicts. Their bodies stopped responding to the normal impulse to seek a more balanced diet. Now, this was a rat study, not a human one, but it did suggest to scientists that eating a diet rich in processed and fatty foods may do more harm than just adding on the pounds. Wow. The, the stuff that some of, some of the junk does to our brains, it's, it's, it's kind of scary, don't you think? That's weird. Yeah. Weird, weird, weird. So balance it out, folks. You know, get your, get your daily dose of fruits and vegetables and uh, don't eat that Swanson's junk every day. All right. Well, with that, let's move on to... Weird News. What do we got for weird news? Well, oh, you know, I might just say only in Alabama, but that's not the case. Uh, uh, there was a thousand-pound alligator caught in Alabama that set a new world record. A, th- a thousand pounds? A 
thousand pound alligator. No, it's no, not like no, it was okay. a grizzly bear. Whoa, that's that's nuts. That thing can swallow a boa. Yeah, right? It can swallow a boat. <laughs> Cam- Camden, Alabama, a gigantic alligator caught by a family in Alabama earlier this month has set a Safari Club international world record. AL.com reports a pair of master measurers from the Safari Club International examined the 1,000-pound alligator on Friday, determining a total length of 15 feet 9 inches. That's 13 inches longer than the organization's previous world record, American Alligator, which had been killed in Texas. The Alabama Alligator was caught by the Stokes family after battling with it for more than five hours. It was hooked in a creek about, I guess back there they don't say creek, they say crick. Crick. It was, <laughs> it was, it was hooked in a crick. It was in a, it was hooked in a, miles hooked in a crick. <laughs> it was about 80 miles west of Montgomery. The first attempt to weigh the gator destroyed a winch state biologists typically use. So wow. they had a backhoe lift it. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, my gosh. Now, I, I, I got to back up in the story a little bit. Master measurers had to come in. Now, what the <laughs> heck do you have to do to become a master measurer? <laughs> oh, I knew that was going to come back and bite me. I almost went back and said, no, let's not revisit that one. I know master measurers. What is? Wow, really? Yeah, master measurers. <laughs> what do you? I know. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Oh man, that's funny. All right. <laughs> so, okay. entertainment I... news. Entertainment. Oh, there it is. Anybody who had kids, you know, four, five, six, seven years ago, it's become very familiar. And you probably did, even though you don't have kids, but you teach a lot of kids. Yeah. They, they be, their parents became very familiar with the high school musical. Yes. Exactly. They had three of them. Yep. Well, I guess the cast members had all, a lot of them had sat down for lunch for a little reunion meeting. Cast members from High School Music are still all in this together. In in a site that that will make any teenager smile, several stars of the popular Disney Channel original movie reunited for a group dinner Friday night in Los Angeles. Ashley Tisdale, Vanessa Hutchins, Monique Colvin, Corbin Blue, and director Kenny Ortega, and the choreographer Chucky Klapow enjoyed a night under the stars uh, to kept to catch up on everything they've missed since high, since high school. A super fan named Camelia was also able to attend the dinner after winning a contest through Pizio. Had so much fun seeing everybody and hanging with the Pizio winner, Tisdale Instagrammed with the guests of honor, you know, just uh, HSM reunion night. And for those wondering where Zac Efron, a.k.a. Toy Bolton, was Friday night, don't worry. He's just hard at work filming 
his up-and-coming movie, We Are Your Friends. In fact, just a few weeks ago, Ephraim hung out with Ashley with Tisdale, where they completed the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge together. So, could we ever see a reunion this high on a big or small screen? Never, never say never. Earlier this year, Ephron said he was he was more op- more than open to working on another project with the beloved cast. We're all thinking about it, he told E News. I continue to see all the guys from High School Musical every time we do. There's just the look between us. It's so cool because we never forget a single moment of that experience. Until then, fans can gear up for Tisdale's up-and-coming wedding to the fiancé, Christopher French. I think from the, from the moment that, I met, that him and I met, I just knew it. She gushed to Ryan Seacrest. I was like, <laughs> oh, this is the guy. And he did the same thing. It was just this feeling that it doesn't get any better. I can't explain it. Looks like the cast is growing up, or should we say breaking free? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> they had to throw all those puns in there, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that, that, would, that would be interesting for all those high school, high school musical fans out there. Absolutely. They did the college thing. They did the work thing. And now it's, <laughs> it's time to really go out and get a job. Right. <laughs> Right. That's for sure. All righty. Well, I don't have any other announcements, so why don't we do this? Let's go ahead and just take a really short break. And when we come back, we will be speaking with Kumulua Michelle Manu. So don't go away, everyone. We'll be right back after this. Hey, MMA fighter Jason Mayhem Miller here. School bullying and cyberbullying statistics are increasingly viewed as an important contributor to youth violence, including homicide and suicide. Let's kick bullying together. Go to we'rekickingit.com. This is Annie Lennox of Eurythmics for Rad. Please don't drink and drive. And don't drive if someone else has been drinking. Thank you. Public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. This is Guru Rocky Twitchell of Citrus Heights, California, and you are listening to the Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio Show. Vikings. We come from different places. Uptown. Downtown. We come to different conclusions. Half empty. Half full. But when we live united, we make a real difference in the building blocks of life. Children succeed in school. Families gain financial stability. The health of our neighbors improves, and suddenly so do our communities. Real change won't happen without you. Live United. So give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Sign up today at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. All right, and we are back. If you're just now tuning in, this is Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Restita and Robert. Our phone number here is 347-677-0699, and feel free to call in to talk with our 
soon-to-be-on-the-air guest, Kumulua Michelle Manu. Um, you can also go to our chat board. It's actually on the Blog Talk Radio show marquee, and uh, it's down underneath the show marquee. And if you don't want to call in, go ahead and type your questions there. But you know what? It's more fun to call in, so call in. <laughs> All right. So um, on the line with us now is a, a very great friend of me and Sifu Bob's, uh, an alumni of the Masters Hall of Fame, and a new, well, what, what would you call it, ambassador slash executive team? Why don't we say executive yeah, she, team she, member? She's a board member, so she's yeah. ambassador slash executive board. Yeah. Uh, she, so that, she, she's going to learn really quick. Don't volunteer for too much because you'll be – Doing a lot of work. <laughs> All right. So please join me, everyone, um, in welcoming Kumulua Michelle Manu to the show. Michelle, how are you today? Hey, Michelle, can you hear me? <laughs> Michelle? Michelle? Can you hear me, Michelle? Seems like we have a little bit of technical difficulty here. Michelle, I can't hear you. <laughs> Hello, Michelle, can you hear us? Because we can't hear you, unfortunately. Oh, well, this sucks. Technical difficulties, don't you hate this? <laughs> I know. <laughs> hey, Michelle, um, let's try this. Um, if, uh, if you can hear us, because we can't hear you, if you can hear us, um, try um, try hanging up and calling back. Um, sometimes internet radio just really screws things up. So I'm going to blame it on blog talk radio. So, okay. She hung up. Now she's going to call call back. She said she can hear oh, us. Good. Then, she she just, then she could hear us. We just couldn't hear her. Yeah. She said she can hear us. She uh, messaged me on, on Facebook and said that uh, uh, that she can hear us. But uh, unfortunately, all I heard was all I heard was hissing um, on the line. So <clears throat> let's give her a minute to to call back. Aha, there she is. All right, Michelle. Hi, can you hear us? <laughs> hi, I can. I can totally hear you. I have to sit outside. This is ridiculous. <laughs> oh, it's oh, cell phone no. reception. <laughs> cell phone reception. Oh, you know what? It, that happens to me too. Sometimes when I call in to another uh, to another show, if I I completely lose people if I drive into tunnels, then they can just start talking and I don't hear anybody. But welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. How you doing, Bob? Oh. I'm good. I'm good. Wow, we have a guest that acknowledged my existence. I'm impressed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's do this. I'm guessing that somebody else wants to call in and say hello before we start the interview. So let's pull up this line here. We've got um, on the line area code 708. 708, who are we speaking with? Uh, This is Ellen Marie Allen, and I am uh, Michelle's aunt. Oh, oh hi, oh, hi, thanks for calling. Hi, Haley. Hi, Audrey. Hi. Well, right thank on. you for listening. <laughs> yeah, thanks for thanks for calling. Stay, stay on the line. I'm going to leave your mic up. 
Um, and uh, we're just going to go ahead and uh, start with the interview. And if all of you over there, Ellen and everybody else, if, uh, feel free to to uh, chime in at any time. <laughs> That'll be great. The more okay, the merrier. Thank you. Uh, oh, right absolutely. On. And, and Ellen, the more embarrassing you can think of stuff to tell oh. the better. <laughs> My goodness. Well, you know, Auntie, if you could put your phone on mute until you talk, that'd be very helpful. Um, but uh, uh, Auntie has actually come, she's my Scandinavian Auntie. I don't know, most people don't know that I'm half Scandinavian, and um, she's my mother's older sister. And a 708 is Chicago. And um, Aunt Ellen has traveled with me to quite a few um, events. And actually, Rosita, she came with me to the 2010 Palma event. Um, that oh. was in Northern California. Mm-hmm. Right on. Well, the, I yeah, know. The, next time, the next time we uh, have Palma down there, we hope to see you. Well, that was cool. <laughs> oh, well, thank we you. Hope you every, we hope to it. see you at every Palma. <laughs> we would want to see you at every Palma, but it, that's, a, that's, a, that's a little bit of a drive to get to Oregon or <laughs> Seattle. <laughs> All right. Well, let's. Let's let's uh, get some uh, questions rolling out there because I'm pretty sure our listeners are really eager to learn a little bit about Lua. But before we get to that, can you please tell our listeners a little bit about your martial arts background? Oh, sure. Um, well, it's kind of a funny story. I think there's just going to be a theme throughout my interview, which is self-evolution <laughs> and awareness. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> um, well, with that said, I am an absolute ballet dropout um, uh, at the age of four, and I was lucky, lucky enough to be a part of tap and ballet and acrobats and jazz. But I think it was when I was nine years old, um, I started gymnastics as well as Kempo, and um, I thought, why? I don't want to do this. This is for boys. And so mm-hmm. I just had a bad attitude already at nine. Like, well, I don't even know why I'm here. Why is my mother making me do this? Um, <laughs> you know, I'd much rather, you know, I was already in, like, modeling classes, which I didn't care for either. I just could never seem to find what I enjoyed. And I went through probably the first ten minutes of that Kempo class, uncomfortable in my little gi and white belt, and <laughs> I just realized, what the heck? This isn't for boys. This is for me. Yeah, and before right? you know, it, I, totally. And before you knew it, I just realized so quickly at the age of nine that I wanted a black belt, and that I was a full contact type of girl. And that has never changed since I was nine. No kidding, so, really? Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> be quiet, Bob. <laughs> so, Bob's, Bob's been on the receiving end of some of that full contact. <laughs> it's in a controlled environment. Those were love taps, and that day Michelle showed me a lot of love. <laughs> That's right. Well, I do love you, Bob. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> so I think um, in 1990, I was relocated to Chicago, and um, I stayed until probably the latter portion of 1997. And during my seven years there, um, I was a professional hula dancer performing all throughout the Midwest. Um, and I also decided I was going to train in some Korean art. So I did take uh, Taekwondo and Hapkido, and um, those arts just weren't, full contact enough for me. So, uh, but I did enjoy the conditioning. And um, when I moved home, it was 1998, back to Southern California. And um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I thought, do I want to go back and uh, be a professional hula dancer and compete? Um, or do I really want to go to the hard side and start uh, 
with some real full contact martial arts training and that's before the internet um, was prevalent and I just opened up the yellow pages. I found um, Solomon Kaivalu's name. I was like, well, wait a minute. That's, that's the Hawaiian art that, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people have talked about. That's kind of kapu forbidden. Um, and I just thought I have to call. So that's how it started with my Alohe, 1998. Wow. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Michelle, tell, tell us what the, as far back as you know of, what's the history of Lua? Oh, such a loaded question. I hope not to talk too long, but um, the word Lua alone means duality or dual, two or toilet. So um, I know, <laughs> complete opposites, right? Two or toilet. So like if you walk into a wine person's house now and you say, oh, where's your Lua? It's more of a toilet. The significance of that is back in the day, uh, it was um, – kind of symbolic for the toilet was actually a deep, dark, long pit, the back of the house, um, kind of concealed, and that's where you would bury your waste, if you will. And lua, in that sense, means that's where you bury your opponent. So you dislocate oh. straight into a hole, and there's no walking down in the Kaiwa lua. It's all straight down, so you use the ground to bust your opponent. Um, on the duality side, that's mostly for the huna side, the healing art side, um, the dichotomy between good and bad and white and black and um, negative and positive, kind of like the yin-yang you know, um, mm-hmm. theory. Um, so that's actually the meaning of the word lua. Um, it was developed in the eight, uh, 18th century by some high priests, which is they're called kahuna nui. And um, mm-hmm. these high priests, crafted the fighting art um, after land, sea, and the air animals, basically all based on all of nature. And they studied the wind, they studied the stars, the, the sun, the moon, all, all of the pulling forces that we have these days. Um, and, and it's also noted that some of the warrior weapons were also used as instruments for healing. Um, hmm. So later wrestling and boxing and also dirty fighting was introduced, and those were added to create the foundation of the Hawaiian martial art called Lua. Um, so as it evolved, uh, the Lua warriors and the system of just Lua and the way that they fighted back in the, fought back in the day, um, they were highly organized. They attacked with specific weapons in specific waves um, and formations um, on the battlefield. And, you know, it's really interesting to look um, at today's society in the islands where, you know, everyone's tatted. They're, they're, they're really big, and somehow, mm-hmm. you know, I, I can tell when I go back, you know, I'm not fully tatted. I have one hidden, two hidden ones on my back, and I pride myself in keeping myself healthy as best as I can. I'm not perfect. Um, but now it seems as though society-wise in Hawaii, you know, the bigger you are and the more tats you have makes you a little more Hawaiian, and, and I tend to disagree with that because if you look mm-hmm. back at, you know, some of the stories and the history books and um, – you know, the, the Hawaiians back in the day, they were warriors. They were ripped with muscle and almost like godlike in shape and with, with endurance mm-hmm. and strength. And they were very wise. They were masters of, like, um, you know, the spiritual universe. And they were skilled in medicine and nature and hand-to-hand combat and weaponry. So, you know, there's a lot more than just eating and getting tattooed, you know. I mean, <laughs> 
So in the late 1800s, uh, going on with the history, Lua was suppressed. Um, and so the warriors then took the fighting arts, their katas, which they, we call hulas. Their hulas were, you know, suppressed and um, they were practiced in the dark. Um, you know, being masters of nature is also not needing a light, it, you know, and knowing mm-hmm. your surroundings at all times. So they would practice that. And then later the hula was then suppressed as well. And so um, in the 19th century, under King David Kalkawa, um, the hula was reinstated along with a lesser version of, of the more traumatic and um, fatal form of lua. Um, mm-hmm. When that was reinstated, there were only select members of the royal family, uh, Kalatawa's royal family, that were offered instruction um, in the more lethal ways of lua. So that's basically the history we can go to today if you'd like. Wow. Now, why 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 was Lua um, suppressed? Was it through the United States occupation there um, back in the day or earlier? What what other country occupied Hawaii? Was it Britain? I forget. But <laughs> actually, oh, I know, I know. There's so many people, right? Um, yeah. If you look at the Hawaiian alphabet, it actually discloses that the Germans arrived first. Um, oh, but okay. most, yeah, I know. But most renowned, of course, is Captain Cook from England, um, mm-hmm. you know, introduced all of the steel and metal weapons and put clothing on everyone and ta- started teaching them linguistics um, and made the islands more civilized, if, you know, from their point of view. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that they noticed that it was a, a, a deadly art and they were trying to kindly put us more towards their track of, you know, mm-hmm. the English way of doing things. Wow. Sounds a lot like the Spanish occupation of the Philippines. <laughs> you know, it does. Uh, yeah, it, does. Yeah. it really does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Now, <laughs> I have kind of a funny question. So, you know, you said that uh, lua can also mean like toilet. Is there like yes. another, is there like another, like, is there like another formal name for Lua that sets the term apart from toilet or does, is it more, <laughs> more of a, is it more of a contextual thing? Right. You know? uh, definitely contextual. Yes. Okay. It's just the way it's used. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> Not context, Rosita. Context. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of context. That's a oh, Content, excuse me. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> no, when it, when it comes to when it comes to the art itself, uh, you, you've uh, you've gone uh, you hit the tip of the iceberg uh, a little bit um, of uh, the content <laughs> of. <Lula. laughs> uh, now, what would you say would be the main concept or the main element or the I guess the driving force or the spirit behind Lua? You know, it's so interesting. This is this is a really tricky question. Um, mm-hmm. uh, for me, it's it's harmony. For me, it means different things for different practitioners. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there are so many elements to it that you know, um, if a practitioner can learn all these elements, um, essentially, which is life, um, and have those elements work together on every level. Um, of our self-awareness and, and our being, as well mm-hmm. as interacting with the world and others, then, you know, we benefit from that learning and development and impacting, you know, our training as a Lewis student and therefore how we live our lives. So for me, I think it's harmony with self, others, and just having universal awareness. Um, it's almost like peacefully merging the spiritual with the physical, 
because I truly believe they're one and the same. But for some reason, mm-hmm. as we were, when we were raised, those two split and have somehow, somehow become mutually exclusive of one another. And I think, you know, as this resurgence of women martial artists really happened, which is happening right now, and just life as, I mean, look at our world around us. It's, you know, we're told one thing and we see something in the linear. It's tangible. But then there's all mm-hmm. this dark matter that we feel, and especially those of us that are more in tune, and we know what the essence of something is. It's not the appearance. Mm-hmm. It's, it's getting those two to marry each other in harmony. And I think, to me, that's the main element of Lua. And it, and it bleeds into everything I do every day. And it's, just, it's my training, but it's also my way of uh, impacting man and womankind um, through mm-hmm. my training. Mm-hmm. Very cool. <clears throat> awesome. Hey, Bob, are you still there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, man, she has this ghost. You know, you know, Michelle. There was one time, one show. They were talking so much that my wife went down, walked down, got me dinner. I sat here and ate dinner without saying a word. Which one was that? What show was that? I forgot. Oh, it was the Frank Duke show. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Well, that may have been one of them. <laughs> no. Now, we, we all, well, not all of us, but we know you're also an accomplished hula dancer. Can you tell us how your hula experience meshes with, the, the, uh, with your lua? I'm getting another call. Can you believe <laughs> Did she just disappear on us? No, I, oh, yeah, it, the, the call dropped. <laughs> She'll call back. She'll call back. But in the, in <laughs> until then, our phone number here is 347-677-0699. And while we're waiting for her to call back, let's go ahead and hit the switchboard here. Let's, uh, let's pull up another one of these lines. Let's pull up. Let's pull up area code 310. Area code 310. Okay. Dynamic Dojo. You're here. <laughs> but oh, I'm back. <laughs> You're back. Do we have? Okay. We well, have, I hope that have, doesn't happen again. That's no problem. Okay. Looks like we've got oh. uh, William on the line with us, I think. Oh, is William? good. This is William Christopher Ford calling. Woo-hoo! Oh, William. Hey, Will. How are hey. you? Good to hear from you. How are you? Right. Pretty good. <laughs> sure. Uh, congratulations, uh, Michelle, on your... Uh, you're doing very well on the Dynamic Dojo radio show with uh, being co-host last week, and now you're a guest. Uh, I imagine there's going to be much more of you in the very near future, I hope. Oh, well, thanks. I doubt it, though. Rosita's kick butt, and there's no other cool shows like this, so I'm I'm pretty much going to be a guest every other show, I think. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> No, you. You know what? Me and Bob already talked. We 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 pretty much said, hey, you know, if I ever have to go out of town. <laughs> see if see if Michelle's available. <laughs> oh well, thank you. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, we have like other guest co-hosts too, but uh, you know, welcome to the fold. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, William. Thanks for calling in. I have a question that I'm going to propose to all three of you. Um, it's uh, it's it's kind of an interesting question, but. Um, if you were to be able to just teach one thing, only one thing, uh, to your, um, and it would make the world a safer place, what would it be? 
Wow. 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 Who wants to start? I'll start. Okay. Uh, I think that, you know, we can learn as much as we want, but it really all comes down to to awareness. And so Mm -hmm. it's just uh, having people not fumble, like when Furman, for example, not fumble through their purse and on the phone and, you know, doing 14 Mm -hmm. things at once to really just pay attention to what's around them because I think that can actually thwart like 99% of what goes on. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that would that would be my thing. Mm-hmm. I would uh, say. I would, I, you know, I'll, uh, go ahead, Michelle. Oh, that was oh, me. <laughs> oh, we sound you? the same. <laughs> I know we sound the same. Uh, um, I would say it's it's kind of a toss up between teaching people um, altruism because that's going to it's going to kick over into being able to communicate. Better a, a lot of a lot of um, altercations nowadays, um, you know, aren't just the oh I'm going to rob this person. A lot of the altercations start because somebody gets pissed off at somebody, and someone's got to mm-hmm. be the big better person, right? Um, in mm-hmm. fact, you know, just last week, um, two employees of a gas station just down the road from me got shot to death because somebody had a problem with the employees coming out and saying, hey, can you not park that way when you're pumping gas? And the guy popped caps into both of them and they died right there, right there at work. And, you know, that was only because they just had a problem with somebody telling them what to do. So, you know, altruism, uh, the the whole, like, you know, treat others the way you'd be treated. Um, Mm -hmm. But also... Uh, not being afraid to communicate and knowing that you know that it's a it's a it's a very honorable skill to have that it's not you know it's not sissy it's not wussy you know to be able to communicate to be able to mm-hmm. talk out your problems I guess you know before it turns into fisticuffs um, that's definitely what I'd want my students to learn if I only had one thing to teach Excellent. and Bob. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, I would I would like to teach these these low life, low level gang members what how to pull doing up their pants. People. Oh, yeah, yeah. How to how to buy the right size pants? How to buy a belt that fits? But no, I'd like them, I'd like them to visit the morgues, the cemeteries, mm-hmm. the autopsy rooms, see what they're doing to these people. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and try to scare the hell out of them. You know, talk to the talk to the families that they're destroying by mm-hmm. doing these dry, these chicken shit. Excuse my expression. Drive by. Mhm. Mhm. What about you, William? Yeah. I um. I think I I, I like all three of your answers. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, <laughs> door number two. Um, I'm actually gonna go with uh, communication. And, uh, you know, the art of, um, I think a lot of problems happen because of non-communication and mm-hmm. miscommunication. And so um, we can just figure out a way to, hey, let's get beyond that and let's, let's talk heart to heart. You know, beyond what my opinion is and your opinion is, if we can somehow at least really disagree, um, mm-hmm. solve um, maybe not all the problems, but that would, you know, that would definitely help them from, esca- you know, escalating. Um and that's not the only thing. You know, it's kind of a loaded question because it's like there's really not just one thing you can do. But um, that would be the, the thing that I would work on is like, hey, how do we, how do we more effectively communicate with people? Um, mm-hmm. And 
how do we how do we see each other's humanity? <laughs> you know exactly. You know, so, so yeah, when exactly. it's when it's time to walk away too. You know that's important to know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I think a lot of like the the a lot of ego is, is what, you know, mm-hmm. is preventing that from happening. Right. I mean, you know, walking away, Oh, I don't want my homies thinking that I'm chicken shit. You know what I mean? And then they, you know, a lot of times, especially with the younger, uh, the younger crowd and stuff like that, you know, if they want to get if they want to be in a gang or whatever, then they kind of have to do something, you know, to prove that they're man mm-hmm. enough and, and stuff, you know, and you know they're scared, you know, 12-year-old, you know, yeah. go out and shoot somebody. You know they're scared, but they're going to do it anyway so they don't look like chicken, they don't look weak, and they don't get picked on or shot, be the next person shot. And uh, it's just an ugly, ugly cycle. And, I, you know, I agree the communication and awareness um, and, you know, having, like what Bob said, you know, seeing, you know, how it affects other people their actions, their selfish actions, uh, what they think is a, what I, what I would, what I would say is a misguided sense of honor. You know, you killed mm-hmm. our, you killed our homies, I'm going to kill your homies and stuff like that. It's, it's crazy and it's just not, never going to end. Um, but I, you know, I hope slowly but surely that, you know, all of us as martial arts teachers all around the world can at least, you know, get that message out there and kind of like stifle the, the negative thinking that uh, that people have. Well, you know, it's like a video game for these kids. That's the problem. You know, even just right, like the way right. people drive. I'm like, this guy thinks it's a video game, that there's going to be no consequences. But there are. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. Hey, guys. I'm going to go. And uh, I'll see uh, Bob and uh, Rosita at the uh, Museum Honor Awards. And um, okay. Michelle. Congratulations and um, a great interview so far. I'll be uh, listening in, but uh, I gotta I gotta get going. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Will, for calling. Very cool. Take care, Will. Okay. So where Bye. were we? We, we, we were at hula. Yeah, regarding <laughs> hula. How does your hula mess with lua? Well, you know, it's it's supposed to be the the soft to the hard. Um, uh, you know, it's all the same energy. It's just how the practitioner with, wishes to use it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in both arts, especially hula, you know, you become what you're dancing about. You become mm-hmm. the palm tree. You become the eagle diving, the the hawk that's attacking, the dolphin that's, uh, you know, also speeding off, and the squid and that can find holes in anything. You, you're becoming that animal or that thing. Um, mm-hmm. And... You know, I just recently took on an, an amazing student. She um, and Rosita, you know her very well, Erin Huey. Mm, uh, oh, awesome! <laughs> right, and so she's now my private hula student, and um, very cool. You know, she she, she came to our uh, Kaivalua seminar last week, uh, a week mm-hmm. ago yesterday, and she was just—you uh, could tell it was awkward. And Lua is awkward. We're inside all the time, hundred mm-hmm. percent. You know, it. We're not used to that. And since she's of the harder combat Korean art. She's used to having that space. So mm-hmm. to be actually touching someone is, um, you know, like frontal to frontal um, or yeah. back to back, it's, it's different. Um, mm-hmm. So I noticed that she was just during our whole AR paddle te- uh, techniques, we were wa- walking through, Alohe was instructing us, and um, you could see the man from the waist down. The man was having trouble shifting. And so I went over there, and I just showed her some of the hula steps that we went over. And... Sure enough, she picked up that whole eight and she did the, the technique perfect. Oh, so, very cool. Um, 
Yes, and so I think they are one and the same to me, and it's just, I, you know, like I said, it's been an evolution. Never in my wildest dreams when I started learning the ancient hula at three and went professional at 14 that mm-hmm. I ever thought it would, I mean, be in direct impact, like be a direct impact with my martial arts. I really thought mm-hmm. they were totally separate, but they're not. Um, the environment is the same, only, of course, Lua is much more strenuous. Um, mm-hmm. Hula is strenuous in physicality, but different. Um, mm-hmm. There is no, you know, full contact that's happening. Right. So, yeah, it's just right how on. you wish to learn the use of energy. Mm-hmm. Right on. Now, my sister belongs to a uh, uh, hula halal in Sacramento, and I've, you know, mm-hmm. and she she's long been so interested in the Hawaiian culture. We were both kind of thought up in Hawaii, but never born here, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, and we, right. Uh, my family, my family's been like heavy into the Hawaiian culture. Although, you know, I'm more of a like a Filipino American. I don't know much about the Hawaiian culture, but um, would you say? And I haven't had a chance to ask her this. Uh, would you say that the uh, like the I guess the halau setting or the learning setting is is uh-huh. you know is it similar to a lua halau in terms of discipline and how um, how respect is given to the kumu? Um, how does that work? No, it's a very good question, and it is very similar. They're they're different in delivery, but it's just still the same undercurrent, you know, as mm-hmm. there is respect for the lead hula dancers, um, the, mm-hmm. the more established ones, the mentors, and of course for the kumu. Um, you know, there is, like in Lua, we, we line up ranked, and uh, mm-hmm. we have a class with our Alohe, and uh, he tells us where we stand, and you stand there, and it's basically the same in a hula halal. Very cool. Now, just out of curiosity, do you prefer kahiko or awana? Ooh, these questions are amazing. (laughs) Um, You know, I am a woman, so I'm a bit moody once in a while, so I have to say that it depends on my mood. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, now for our listeners out there, uh, Kahiko is an ancient hula uh, Uh that involves a lot more of... uh, the chant or the, or the ole and Awana is more of like the modern stuff. And, you know, and I just kind of, I just have to say this because like too many people, you know, uh, like a, a lot of, uh, a lot of Americans that aren't familiar with hula, hula, you say hula, everyone automatically thinks what? Don Ho. <laughs> right? right. Correct. Tiny you know, bubbles in the wine. Yes. Tiny bubbles, <laughs> really you know, and the, and the steel guitar and the, mm-hmm. and the, you know, Stuff like that, and it's it's really not the the commercial touristy stuff. I mean, there's so much meaning in 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 mm-hmm. hula, so I can I can really see how how hula can mesh with how you can mesh the hula with the lua. Say that ten times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm not the type of dancer that will be out there in a cellophane skirt with co- a coconut bra, and that's yeah. not the type of hula we're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh my gosh, I was that reminds me. I was like on Ori uh, Oriental Trading Company, you know that that, oh, that yeah. <laughs> no, right? And they have, you know, you know how they have themes for parties and stuff. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, mm-hmm. you know, little hula girl costume and it's like gr- yeah. you know, the cellophane grass skirt and the coconut uh-huh. bra, you know, and those little flower clip you can put in your hair and junk like that. I'm like, Really? Uh-huh. <laughs> really? Well, yeah. whatever sells, I guess, but oh well, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, luau, everyone, luau. 
Luau, yeah, the, the Luau theme. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Getting back to Luau, I was going to ask a question, another question, and I completely forgot what it was. Oh, 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 oh. Back to weapons. Back Ooh, to weapons. My out favorite. Of, yes. Out of out of the weapons, do you have a favorite in particular? Oh, wow. Um, well, of course, eternally my hands. I right? love my hands. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's interesting, the evolution of, like, my love for each weapon and just becoming intimately um, tied to each weapon, especially now that I'm making them. Right now, the Ka'ane would be my favorite, um, when the Ku'eku'e was once my favorite. Um, the Ku'eku'e is that light duster um, weapon mm, with the shark mm-hmm. teeth. I um, loved it. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah, and that, and that one was actually carried by the, the older warriors um, back in the day after all the waves of the warriors came through. If anyone was left on the battlefield, they would oh. use that to go ahead and finish them off if they were still alive. Um, wow. So it's like the cleaners, if you would. Um, yeah. It's a lighter weapon, easier. You know, they travel many miles. And But now it's the Ka'ani, the strangling cord, and it doesn't look ah. like much. It, in fact, you, you, you don't even know what it is if you were to look at it. But, man, the power of the weapon is – it's not the weapon. It's the way it's used, but just mm-hmm. – I don't know. It's my favorite right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear you. I hear you. Like, um, for all our listeners out there, uh, Kumu Michelle did a wonderful seminar on Lua and Lua weaponry um, at the Masters Hall of Fame and uh, featured the, I'm sorry, what was it called again? The cord in Hawaii? Yeah, was strangling it called? cord. It's yeah, the, the strangling cord. Yeah, K A A N E, and Bob was okay. intimately introduced to it yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was introduced it into a very intimate way with it. Yeah, your <laughs> nose was introduced to it, your mouth was introduced to it, your neck was My introduced neck. to it. <laughs> you saw the floor a lot. It was awesome, man. And <laughs> yeah, my favorite lately too is um, has been. Um, has been the uh, any type of uh, flexible weapon. I've been using the whip a lot as oh, a uh, as a strangling tool, as well as the lubid. The, the we, lubid's mm. just rope, you know, that that Filipinos would wear as as a belt or something to you know hold their dress together. Um, yeah, and stuff exactly. Like, yeah, and uh, I've also um, been heavy into using the. Uh, Oh God! The I, all of a sudden I went like completely blank. I wanted I wanted uh, to say the sorry. <laughs> it's not the sorry. Hello. <laughs> That's Indian. But anyway, so I've been I've been heavily using uh, using strangling type stuff, and uh, I'm really looking yeah. forward to a seminar at the at the, at the Palma Camp this year. Um, one of the teachers is going to be teaching Hojo Jutsu, the Japanese okay sport uh, art, and I'm like, oh, I'm so looking forward to this. So. Yeah, anyway. that's fun. Yeah, yeah. Something about something about strangling people with something that doesn't look like a weapon. But but for all our listeners out there, these weapons, man, I you know look up Lua weapons and and see these pictures. You know the Kuekue looks like yeah, it doesn't look like much, but it will rip your face off. It will, <laughs> I'm like oh my gosh, it's it's just so it's it's awesome. So check yeah, it out. Yeah, and don't forget the stab to the groin. Remember, after yes. they hit the ground, that's very important. Yeah, you got to stab the groin. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, ladies, it was very funny how when we all promoted the show for tonight, 
Uh, you guys use the picture of Michelle and her gown as the Masters. I use the picture of her ripping some guy's nuts off. <laughs> oh, and his throat. Yeah, and his throat. Yeah. <laughs> and his throat out, right? Yeah, you guys, right. She had a blue, blue gown on. <laughs> it was one time she had a picture of the guy's groin in her hand and with her, with her, hand, with her other hand in the guy's throat. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, duality, Bob, duality. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I'll ask about that later, but we'll go, we'll go to Bob. <laughs> I'll ask about the man and the woman. Well, thing actually, I have a couple of questions I want to ask. During your hula, are yeah. there hidden martial applications in the Wahine version of the hula or the Wahine hula? Oh, so you're talking about the Awana hula? Yeah. Okay, um, applications, yeah, definitely. They're just softer. It's more of a Tai Chi, if you will. Oh, than, okay. You see what, you know, the, the difference of application? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so much softer. Oh, very cool. Okay, I wasn't sure if it was taught as an application, actually a martial application, or if it was more like an interpretive dance with a meaning behind it. Yeah, no, it's definitely not taught in martial arts. No. I mean, if you were to ask a Lua practitioner right now, the ones that I know that do, do not take hula um, and are just Lua practitioners, they wouldn't be able to, to, to do it. Um, you know, it's, it's almost like someone that's been in co- combat form all the time. It's very hard for them to get their lower half and upper half working well together mm-hmm. and also and, and apply a softer force, a softer mm-hmm. power. It's very difficult for them. Mm-hmm. Wow, very cool. Now, Michelle, you appeared in, maybe not a huge amount, but you appeared in some media, CNN, Inside Kung Fu. You were the, I'm trying to get this right, but I doubt I'm going to do it. You were the, the choreographer or stunt woman in a uh, uh, comedy stage show. Is that right? Wow, you just, uh, you pulled, you digged it up. <laughs> like, years and years ago. Oh, oh someone's been Googling me. <laughs> Damn Google. I, wow! I, what okay. do we do at Google? So tell us about your experiences on the the print and the stage and that sort of thing. Well, you know, I just you know, it's so funny is I don't even I, I don't have most of it, and I wish I did because it would be a great keepsake for my daughter. Um, I'm trying to collect more as I go along now, but back in the day, it was just that wasn't my focus at all to get into any of the media or print. It was just to train, and you know, um, after 9/11 happened, my alohe brought me to World Black Belt, and they created America in Defense, which was to um, educate pilots and flight attendants in air cabin crew safety. And with that came some media. Um, you know, there's a funny story, but I don't even want to get into the flight attendant outfit. I was like in the 1950s because uh. I had curves. It was awful. But anyway, um, <laughs> so tons of media set up on the side. We were actually doing this in the galley and also in the aisleway of a mock-up plane. And we're using everything and anything around us. And so I became a director and helped author part of the manual um, to teach uh, American and United Airlines flight attendants and pilots that were actually on stress leave. Um, because they couldn't get back in the air. They were just so traumatized by what had happened. Um, They just couldn't fly. So meanwhile, while they're out, we were educating them. And I got to fly around the nation. And so, you know, I was on um, CNN and um, some international stations. I can't even tell you. I know it was like a station in Mexico. The Korean station came out. Um, So it was just a lot of media there. Um, 
I know when I played football, I was able to be uh, with a, several of my teammates, an SB award presenter um, for the, uh, I think it was MVP. I think it was 2005 we did that, 2004. Um, and then, of course, Inside Kung Fu and, um, gosh, several other publications, whether it was in conjunction with my Alohe or because of American Defense. So that's it. Wow. <laughs> you know, there's, there's somebody that, that uh, is on the line. He would Great. like to talk to you. Do you want to take another call? Actually, there's two, but let's bring on the CEO of the Mazda's Hall of Fame, Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in trouble now. Here we go. Did, did you know oh, that man. I was going to call? How are you? No, I did not. <laughs> I did. Awareness. Oh, that's funny. I've been listening to your uh, show just for a few minutes here, um, and I just wanted to call, and I think I'm coming in mid-topic. Uh, so maybe I should just listen for a while and take the other caller before I don't start you on a different uh, – different thread, but I, I have a specific question about um, women in the martial arts and your, how you see the role of women in the martial arts in the future. If that's something yeah, that's cool. in your topic right now or something we can talk about at the next, next hour. Oh, when I, when I, Rosita, I think, Bob, it's up to you. Yeah, it kind of right does. Now. I, I Let's think. talk about it right now, yeah, yeah, because um, the other callers are just listening, so... Okay. Yeah. You know, so go for it, as you're, you're, you're such a, a leader and an icon in, in the martial arts community. Where do you see the role mm-hmm. of women in the martial arts in the next second? And I'm, gonna put you, I'm driving, so I'm going to put you on uh, speaker and um, mute out my traffic, noise traffic, so you guys don't have to lead over, okay? Okay. Okay. Right. Well, I wouldn't go into icon, um, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's just dial it down a bit. <laughs> let's see. Um, you know, it's an interesting question. I mean, it depends on all of us collectively. And and this is something that I, you know, Masters Hall of Fame, it, well, the Associate um, Association, the Associate of Masters, which develops leadership um, of martial arts business leaders and just leaders, period, um, will be taking place January 31st here in Costa Mesa. And, you know, I would really love to have a women's martial arts symposium that morning uh, where we have two or three hours together um, where I could open it up and, and then actually release it to a panel of women that are leaders um, from different generations, from all different arts. So we can talk about our experiences and where we, where we are now and where we would like to go. Um, I mean, historically, obviously, there's more men than women in martial arts, mm-hmm. but, you know, we all have something magnificent to contribute when it is truly to contribute to everyone else and not just self-promotion. So mm-hmm. I think that um, if we could do this, if uh, Chairman Hecht would allow us to do this, um, I, no men will be allowed in the room. And I think it's going to be just a, a great and safe environment for women to talk about some of the, the, the things that they've been confronted with how they handled mm-hmm. it, how they wish they could have handled it better, how they wish they probably would have had someone to talk to about it, uh, another mm-hmm. woman that would have understood. Um, so that's my idea on bringing women together. Um, as far that's a as great idea. Now, oh, thank you, Rosita. Um, I think it's necessary. I really do. You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't think men really realize 
uh, how women are affected in our community. And, you know, I'm just going to share a quick story here. Um, you know, last November I taught in Northern California, and it was for two Dons and Rue schools. Um, and this wise sensei, female, school head, we were talking about, you know, how my halal runs and, you know, what it's like with Alohi teaching and my fellow black belts who are all male. And, you know, I discussed how rank doesn't matter to me. I just, you know, it won't matter on the street. If someone attacks me, I can't say, oh, I'm a blank, blankety blank black, black belt. You know, it's right. all going to come down to how I handle myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so likewise, you know, when we teach, we don't wear rank. We're just sharing. Um, but, you know, there is rank lineup, and that's what Alohi expects of us. And so there's this one black belt that always likes to, and I hate to broadcast this, but there's always one black belt that loves to mm-hmm. line up in front of me, and he knows he's not supposed to be there. And up until November, I allowed wow. him because I just thought, who cares? Who cares? It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. He knows I, I can last longer than him. I'm more efficient. Um, I've got the hula side to it. I'm just me. Not that I'm better than him, but, you know, I'm definitely ranked higher. And so when I was in Northern California, this wise sensei says to me, she says, you have a duty. And she sat up in her chair and she said, as the only woman in the halal in the last over 30 years, and you have a duty to stand where your alohe says you need to stand. Period. End of discussion. I don't care how you feel about it. And she was mm-hmm. absolutely right. So, wow. You know, so you would, this guy. You would find other guys doing that, you know. So this guy knew that you outranked him. or Yeah, mm-hmm. that you outranked him. And that mm-hmm. this guy knew that alohe says Michelle stands here, but he st- stands in front of you, basically. Correct. He, Yes. In in front of Olohe? Yeah, yeah. How how does how does I'm trying to wrap my mind around the stupidity of that. Uh, you know, I'm really trying. Uh, in Go to Rue, that's a chance if you came and you stepped in front of me in my position and stood in front of me in in my rank line, that's a challenge. Um mm-hmm. it's the same in Lua. Oh, I'm sure, but see, it depends on, and I was going to get to this, you know, women have to watch how they respond, and it's not that I'm, right. being, um, I'm being complacent, it's not that I'm, allow- I'm allowing to do it, but you know what, this is a long-term challenge, this is not an immediate yeah. challenge, right. you know, some things are, you know, slight threat, threat, and then like, it's in the orange, this is not an orange situation, I don't have to slash his throat, I mean, in the end, he, know- he knows, there's nothing I need to say or do, but guess what? January's class came around. Guess who inserted herself where she rightly, rightfully should stand? I sure did it. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> so it just takes time, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, I, I tend to look at, like, actions like that as kind of like a passive-aggressive, like, uh, oh, you know, totally. slap them by the head type thing, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. it, it just, it, it boggles my mind that, that people do that now you know i don't want to make this like you know some kind of like sexist or feminist thing but you know would he have done that if if it was a man the same rank as you you know, you know i don't I, know i don't know well yeah i, I may yeah, i may uh like to chime in a little bit it's, it's happened on multiple occasions in the dojo where i'm at where when i was growing up it was just and it was done just to provoke that that challenge in the dojo um, mm. And it's how you respond to it. And Michelle, you're right. It's how you respond to it. It's the both mm-hmm. you, you take the guy out there, or do you uh, <laughs> just say, "Excuse me," and you know you're, you need to move over. Mm-hmm. So, one of the reasons I asked this question 
was, you know, because I'm a policeman, given it's a male-dominated uh, field, mm-hmm. women go through the same things in karate as women in, in law enforcement do. Because of mm. such a man-oriented uh, career, I, you mm. know, many of my partners are women, and they always tell me they feel they have to prove themselves every day. Because uh, whereas I have proven myself, I'm, I'm known for what I can do, where, and, and a woman feels that she has to prove herself. Mm-hmm. So I, I was just wondering if that's the same, if, if women in the martial arts have that same tendency where they feel that they've got to prove themselves every, every time oh. they get on the mat, or are you comfortable in your own skin? That's a big question. Christina, you answer no. first. Oh, <laughs> okay. I'm going back on you. Okay. Um, well, it, it, for me, it depended on the art. When, when I was doing Botokukan Karate, there was no difference whether or not you were male or female. If you got hit, you got hit. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was a matter of, you know, do you come back to do more kumite or not? You know, the, the, there was no like, oh, I'm going to take it easier on you because you're a woman or you have mm-hmm. to prove yourself because all of my senseis made it very clear that in order to earn a place in the Udansha, in, in that organization, you had to earn it. And there was no, um, there were no exceptions. You know, whether or not you were like the biggest guy in the class or the smallest woman in the mm-hmm. class, you, you you had to earn it and you had to fight everyone and take your lumps like everyone else. However, you know, um, in in Kajik, more in Kajikambo, you know, I I I met uh, a few instances mm-hmm. where guys would. <laughs> You know, they wouldn't actually, like, challenge me. It's not like that. It's not like, oh, I'm going to stand in front of Rusty or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to hit Rusty and see what she can take and this and that and the other. It's not so much of that because, you know, Kajikambo, you have to hit each other. It was like, it was part mm-hmm. of the course. You, it's full contact. You know, you're going to get yeah. your head slammed on the ground and that's part of the course, right? But it mm-hmm. was more it was more subtle. Um, I'm trying to think of a uh, one of the situations. It was, um, oh, oh, oh. Um, it, it was during a it was during a forms uh, we were getting ready for a forms competition right and uh, that was my thing back then I really loved to compete in forms rather than fighting uh, because I thought it was harder to do right you had all four judges looking at you instead of like four judges looking at two people so I thought this is my challenge for the next year or so right I'm just going to compete in forms and while I was practicing one day uh, one of the one of the gentlemen made a comment about my forms. It wasn't really a bad comment on the on the uh on the outside. It was more like, well, you know, if you uh um if you something about if you wear tighter pants, I'm sure it would you know, I'm sure you'd be able to get but yeah, so it was like you know, and I I yeah. So it was I took it as a hint that you, what? So you're thinking that the judges are gonna like are gonna like you know notice sex appeal as opposed to my skill? I stood up from my because I was he he said this while I was practicing. I stopped what I was doing. I stood up and I said, "What the hell are you talking about? What are you insinuating?" Right? And and I'm like I I looked at him like you better give me an answer. And this was a purple belt. I was already a second degree oh black belt my. at the time, and this was a purple belt. And I went, what are you insinuating? You know, and he's like, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, and I'm like, what are you saying? And he said, sex sells. And I'm like, my skill sells. And I point, I 
poked him in the chest. I'm like, my skill sells. And if it doesn't win, it doesn't win. And you need to get off the training floor before I make you. I was so yeah. upset. I was just like, really? And, you know, and, and, you know it, it's not so much, that wasn't so much a challenge to my, uh, a direct challenge to my, uh, to my skill, but in a sense it was, right? I oh, mean, definitely. It was, it was like, well, you know, yeah, you can do form, but, you know, you could probably do better if you just have tighter pants and, you know, put on your makeup and this and that and the other. And I'm like, what a load of crap. You know, well, just go ahead and wear a bikini. Just do a bikini right? form. Just do a bikini form, you know, with the black belt, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I'd, like to see, I'd like to see that division. Well, of course, Bob. You would. Would. He, he actually makes the case for what we're trying to disclose here. <laughs> I, yeah, I was like, I, you know, and... You know, I mean, granted, I mean, you know, some women, some women would actually go, oh, you know, isn't that cute, right? You know, that kind of thing. But to me personally, it was it was a challenge to my skill level. And two, you know, who is a purple belt to mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. to to question, you know, a black belt like that? To have that audacity to to talk to a black belt like that, I was like, oh my god, really? Yeah, where are you getting horrifying. this? Because I, yeah, um, I, I thought, where are you getting this? Because I know our seafood never taught taught this. So you just you need to chill out before I take you out. It was it was <laughs> that it choke was, him it out. Was that before I choke him out. But That's right. Was, yeah. He didn't stay long. <laughs> he didn't stay long after that because I guess he, you know, must have made like other dumb comments to other women there. But, um, but I've never had to feel like I've had to prove. Uh, my skill to people. I mean, there's there's been a couple of there's there's been a couple of students over the years that have said I don't think it'll work. You know, mm-hmm. six foot five guy and five foot one sure. me, and I'm like, okay, well, kick at me, blam, and they're on the ground. They're like, okay, I, I get it, it works. It works. it works. You know, and I just don't understand why some people don't don't realize that you know, as smaller people. Right. Inherently, you know, smaller people and, you know, granted, not as strong as men, you know, for us to fight as women, we have to rely um, a lot on technique, a lot on intention. Yeah. A Mm -hmm. lot of intention and and willpower and um, and knowing where to strike the most effective points, you know, without with using the strength that we already have. Right. That is fighting smart. Right. Right. I don't understand mm-hmm. how some people don't equate fighting smart with, you know what I mean? I don't understand with why they gender? don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, well, I don't well, that understand. One of, uh, that comes to one of my points in law enforcement. Women rely, they don't have to rely on, well, they don't rely on their brute strength. They rely they on the thickness between their ears. Mm-hmm. And as a, as a partner going into a volatile situation, I don't want somebody that's going into a party of 300 that has the one deputy, one riot mentality. I want somebody right. that is going to de-escalate a situation. And some of my best partners have been women. And what, my best partner, uh, she's on a different watch now, her name's Priscilla, and she, she by far is my, my best partner. She de-escalates hmm. me. Uh, so, you know, one of the, one of the uh, traps in, in this male-dominated culture is men make comments, and, I, and I'm guilty of it too, 
men make comments that are unintentionally derogatory towards women. And not derogatory is not a different word, but not the right word, but they'll make comments that may um, limit their um, the professional aspect of what they do. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think that these men do it intentionally. Some do. Mm-hmm. I just think that uh, because of such a do- male-dominated culture, the women in that in that culture get it all the time, and mm-hmm. from many different people. And it's got to be taxing. And how do you deal with that? How do you deflect that and still be the professionals you are? Well, of course, leave it to Dan to fire Rosita and I up. <laughs> I know, right? But this is, a, this is a great topic, not just for it karate is. women, but for law enforcement women and women professionals, period. You know, yeah, exactly. Some of the things that, that I take, the things that made me successful in life is my training as a martial artist. The things that I learned as a martial artist transferred to my success in other areas of my life. Mm. And I believe that's the same for everybody that takes the martial arts. But you have a different challenge, and I want to know how you well, do it. I have, a, I have a, a kind of an idea here. Of, it's societal pressure. I mean, if you look around us, when we're going outside of the martial arts community now, look at the interactions between men and women now and, and how social media has changed it. Now, what I, no one would ever believe I'm a martial artist out on the street. I am in three- and four-inch heels. I have hair. Um, I wear, I wear dresses. I, I just look extremely feminine, but maybe I go to the gym. Um, so y- there's no way in certain men's minds, the way that they're raised and the way that society has been, you're either a Victoria's Secret Playboy centerfold or you're this brute martial artist fitness ripped chick. There's, it doesn't, right. There doesn't seem to be any place in the middle where you can be both and um, be accepted. You're either put in this category or you're put in this category. You right. know, and it's, it's unfortunate, you know, and so as women, we need to know how to respond to that. We don't necessarily need to, you know, attack the man in response. We can just merely remove ourselves, you know, and our silence right. says so much. You know, we can't, fight, we can't fight all of society. We just need to be comfortable with who we are, know what we can do, and continue to try to evolve and, and learn more about ourselves and know that doesn't work for me. That may work for her, but that doesn't work for me. And that's essentially mm-hmm. how we survive all of this. Exactly, exactly. I think a lot of it um, also has to do with, uh, well, uh, societal pressure, yes, um, but also, you know, just, mm-hmm. just stereotypes, mm-hmm. right? I mean, no matter what, you know, we, we all make judgments about people based on, um, we all have stereotypes, right? We, we make these judgments yeah. based yeah. On, on our experience and what we've been exposed to, right? And um, unfortunately, you know, these stereotypes go both ways. It's not only like men's stereotypes of women. It, it goes sure. the other way around too, right? Um, and, you know, and it's true. You know, we get a, a lot of, uh, I guess, uh, I don't want to call it judgment, but for lack of a better term, I'll call it judgment. You know, we do get a lot of judgment based on stereotypes, right? You know, I, I walk around in jeans and and, you know, ratty t-shirts and and i look like a gym teacher let's just put it that way right i always, <laughs> I, always look like, I look like a gym oh my teacher. god like, really? I, 
Yeah, you think so? Because everywhere, everywhere I go, I'm, I'm always going to a class. I'm wearing, you know, like sweatpants and a martial art T-shirt, you know. Um, I wear this vest a lot that has a bajillion pockets, so it looks like a tactical vest. And, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and people um, people just assume, you know, that, you know, oh, you know, I, I've never had anyone say this to my face, but I can tell that sometimes they think, oh, gosh, you know, this must be some, like, fitness buff feminist chick or something like that. <laughs> and which, which leads me to another point is that many people have a stereotype, a wrong stereotype of what feminism is. And mm, I think correct. that's, um, at the, and I, I think that also um, contributes to, you know, what we um what we have to go through, you know, a lot of men, yeah. you know, going, oh, femi- feminists are like man-hating dykes. And no. Like, yeah, know? And it's no. like, no, they have no idea. But, and then when we try to explain ourselves, then they think we're just trying to justify our, our, our disdain for men. And it's like, huh. So, you know, if you've got men that already think that way, um, right. then depending on what line of work we're in or what activities we do, um, you know, then a lot of the uh, stereotypes come out, and and it's unfortunate that um, that it's like that. And uh, I agree that you know how we how we respond to these types of uh, things is the important thing. You know, we don't want to like necessarily let it happen and go, oh well, that's okay. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, do we, you know, stand up with pumping our fist in the air going, you know, hey, you know, respect me for who I am and look yeah. like their stereotype of, you know, a feminist yeah. man-hating person. You know, you know, the, our challenge is finding that middle ground, you yeah, know, correct. and that's that's the hard part for us. So I agree. Yeah. Oh, I, I think we have. That. Yeah, I think we have Hunchy Dan back. He dropped for a little bit. You still, oh, I guess maybe it would help if I turned his mic up. <laughs> <laughs> you still there, Hunchy Dan? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, uh, I did drop you for a second, but I came back. Well, yeah. on, on behalf of all the men in our karate world, I want to be the first person on this radio show to apologize for the stupid and idiotic comments <laughs> I've made in the past. <laughs> and I have not meant, I do not mean to offend any of my colleagues that happen to be the opposite sex. So uh, uh, it's an important topic. It's Mm -hmm. an important leadership topic, not just for karate, but for business Mm -hmm. as well. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, Michelle said it right, or said it very correctly, silence is a very good weapon. And Mm -hmm. when you're a leader in, in the martial arts community, especially in the martial arts community, your position is, is for respect is vitally important. And uh, mm-hmm. it's important to our children coming up. It's important to uh, the, the mid-level black belts that are trying to fit their way in. If you've got a, a young lady that, you know, baby training and becoming a black belt or first or second degree, she wants to know where she goes from here. Where, where are the icons that can lead her? Where are those mentors mm-hmm. that can lead her? To, that, to the senior rank, it, and also can, can help her contribute to the martial arts. So, again, mm-hmm. it's, uh, I think Michelle said that it's not about self-promotion. It's actually about giving back to the, the community mm-hmm. that's given us so much. So right. I commend the women in the martial arts, especially you two. I mean, you guys have picked up 
significant roles. I can think of Lisa King as another one. The Abbasis of Angie Abad is another one that, mm-hmm. that I know personally that have picked up the leadership roles and are moving forward uh, as ambassadors is not the right word, but uh, leaders in the, in the martial arts uh, community, and not women leaders, but leaders. So I want to thank you, and if I ever said anything uh, inappropriate, just kick me. <laughs> <laughs> I just show you my kaane. We should have another yeah. seminar. Yeah. <laughs> another training session? Yeah. yeah, Dan, me and you, honey. I like it, I like it. So, the the way we train um, and the way we respect each other on the mat should should transition into real life. Um, And I know Mm -hmm. that I, uh, I know, I know it doesn't. Uh, You know, one of my senior black belts, Robert Pazunzi, he's one of our ambassadors of the Masters Hall of Fame. Uh, He's been with me for 25, 28 years now. and he, he's my boss at work. But every time he sees me, when we meet for the day, he greets me. I don't care if I'm in uniform, he's in uniform, he greets me by a bow. And, and it says a lot about, and he's my boss, you know, so it says a lot about the martial arts. And, you know, our guys look at that. I, I've got a couple of black belts in the, in, at USC. And not all of them meet me like that, but they all have that common respect. So I think it's important. I think it's important for women to, I don't know why I went on that tangent there, but I think it's important for women to have that role and uh, continue to develop and uh, be mentors for women coming up. So you approve my request for a women's symposium in January? Oh, I'm I'm trying to find a way to make it fit. So, yes, (laughs) we're going to make it fit. Excellent. <laughs> I, I, think I put him on the idea. spot, so he has to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have witnesses I'm on the line. That's the crowd. That's the so crowd. Yeah. I, I would say I would say something, but it'd be, it'd be considered misogynist. Because I think that's right. But <laughs> you can probably get anything you want from me. All you got to do is ask. <laughs> <laughs> <So. laughs> Oh, my Lord. You know, you oh. just apologize, Dan, and here you go, you know. <laughs> but, but I'm, not, I'm not saying that as a as, because you're a woman. I'm saying that because you are a great leader. Oh, yeah. well, thank you. So, I mean, it's just like, it's like Robert. If Robert asked me, Dan, can I do this? I'm probably going to say yes. And Robert doesn't Fantastic. wear a skirt. Fantastic. <laughs> do you, Bob? Right, Bob, do you wear a skirt? Robert, do you wear a skirt? <laughs> I think he's on mute is what's going on. Because <laughs> he's trying to get his skirt up. <laughs> anyway. I was on mute, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that was just because I went to say something stupid. No. Do it, Bob. <laughs> we'll let you, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let you this time. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go back on mute. This is a good conversation. Oh. Okay, thanks, Dan. So for any of our listeners <sighs> out there that want to call in and join the conversation, our phone number is 347-677-0699. And if you'd like to speak to us, uh, just press 1 on your keypad there, and that will put you in our caller queue. All right. So, Wow, that was a, that was a great topic actually, and it and it's mm-hmm. uh, and it's true. Unfortunately, you know, even today, 
you know, it's a 21st century, you know, um, women are um, facing different challenges than, than what we did, like, in the 1920s or, you know, the mm-hmm. 1800s oh, or yeah. anything like that. You know, I mean, yeah, we can vote. Yeah, we can drive, and at least in the United States, right? But, <laughs> you know, it's uh, – but there, there's still um, – there's still the society um, – pressures that that uh, we sometimes have to deal with it's unfortunate but we're we're getting there we're getting there so well let's get back on to other martial arts topics let's uh, hand the mic over to bob hey michelle do you feel that lua would not be as well known if it was only regulated to men of polynesian descent how do you feel about the progression the proliferation of lua as a whole Ooh, another good question. Um, mm-hmm. Wow. Um, well, you know, first, it's not well known. We're still just bringing it out, even though it is. Yeah. You know, you know, my Alohe has worked his entire life to bring the Lua out. But, you know, I think it wasn't until, what was it, 1985, where he finally was able to put a Lua Lima on his patch. And then in 1995, uh, well, he started in 1955. A Lua Mm -hmm. Lima was finally disclosed probably like the fifth or sixth patch since 1955, and that was in 1980. And Lua, just plain Lua, not a Lua Lima, was used in 1995. So because there are continued death threats that he receives for teaching non-Hawaiians, Caucasians, women... He's mm-hmm. had to carefully expose the art in pieces and, um, you know, in fragments in a progression, and he's done that. So I wouldn't say Lua is well known. I know that it's out there now, um, and it's starting to, you know, be such its little form of a wildfire. But still, when people, you know, oh, do you know the Hawaiian Lua? Some, you'll just see a blank stare, or some people will, like, you know, be like, no, I, oh, we're not supposed to learn that, and they kind of walk away from you. I mean, mm-hmm. if they don't want anything to do with it, there's this uh, kafu, this forbiddenness that's on just the word, uh, knowing that they're talking about mm. martial arts. So um, if it was just left to men, I'm not sure. I mean, it's Alohi has taught men and uh, 100% Caucasians, and it just doesn't seem to be... Uh, progressing. Um, he's all over the world, my Alohi. He stopped teaching us here in our home base because he travels so much, and he'll be 80 mm-hmm. uh, in December. You know, wow. So he's looking to us now as his yes. students to help promote. And um, mm-hmm. as far as the culture, I mean, still receiving death threats. So it's from the Hawaiian Kingdom, go fighter type people um, that mm-hmm. really just don't even want to be part of the United States, too. So they're mm-hmm. the radicals. Oh, um, okay. But, you know, uh, for the most part, people are really starting to embrace it, the progressive Hawaiian culture, the woodworkers um, that I'm in touch with, the kahunas that I'm in touch with, and like Mark Saito that's on the big island. He's looking mm-hmm. to have um, a warrior camp where lua and hula is presented. And so, you know, it's starting to really, like, filter out, and um, people are being receptive. You know, I've, you know uh, Oklahoma, Mika'ele ordered weapons. Now there's going to be a mm-hmm. seminar there, you know, and wow. you know, uh, Master Curtis Bletson in, in Denver, he's ordered weapons. There will be a seminar oh, cool. there. Um, well, you know, please, Sebastian please. Nazario, Grandmaster Sebastian Nazario in Fresno has booked me for October. Um, he, though, ironically, doesn't want any weapons. He wants 
the everyday, nowadays, practical, hands-on, dirty fighting mm-hmm. Lua. So, mm-hmm. you know, for once I actually won't be traveling with my weapon. So, um, you know, I, 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 and the last part of this answer that's been long-winded to Bob's question is that, the plurif- uh, you know, just the progression. I'm fascinated right now that me, as a woman, am able to, demonstrate and teach and show and talk about the Lua. I mean, never in my wildest dreams would I have ever thought that I would be here talking to you today. I always thought it was going to be one of my fellow black belts. That's a male. And definitely my Alohe. But as, mm-hmm. as the only woman, this, I am completely blessed. I'm honored by all opportunities that are, that are presenting themselves to be the spokesperson uh, for, the, for the Kaivalu Lua. It's amazing. <laughs> Very cool. Um, yeah. Now, why why was it that, that Lua was considered taboo? I mean, was it more of a cultural thing, or is it more of like a you know a radical you know we're the we're the hip warriors type people, and it should only be Hawaiians? Is it more of a or is it more of a modern thing that you know has it always been taboo until Kaivali? <sighs> Yeah, there's different family. Yeah, there's different family arts out there, but and I've seen a couple um, lua arts. Um, but Alohi seems to be the more progressive style. That you know, he's amended it from back in the the warrior days to make it more mm-hmm. applicable to handle an MMA fighter or you know other arts that we encounter um, or just idiots on the street. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. You know, it, it is now, and there's just that uh, myth that it was cursed and no one was supposed to know it and that actually bad things could happen if you learned it and you weren't supposed to learn it. So, you know, there's all of the myths that come along with just mentioning the word Lua. You know, I worked um, on a show a, year, a little over a year ago, Femme to Action, and, you know, um, it's under the direct, executive uh, producers, um, Jim Belitis and... and um, Rick and Don Macias, and there was one fellow actress who's not a martial artist, um, but it was a pro wrestling martial arts type of pilot, and I had the best time ever. Um, but during my time there, I started off as uh, part of the martial arts training instructing crew, and then eventually became a character on the show. But there was one actress that actually was uh, that grew up in Maui, and when she heard Lua, and that's what she was going to be learning. She was, I could tell, she was just terrified. And she is 100% mm-hmm. Caucasian. So oh. it's, just, it's just a myth, you know. I, and because it's not the original Lua that was once banned and considered forbidden, I think mm-hmm. part of that curse should be, realistically, if we're going to talk about curses, um, mm-hmm. you know, that curse has probably Oops. lost part of it, if not all of its, Spunk because it's not the original. It has been modified. Mm. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, we are. We've only got like like ten minutes left of the show. Oh so my god! Like I know. Where did all the time go? Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. So I think we've only got like a couple more couple more questions that we're that we're curious about. Um, let's uh, let's go to the mass talking about the Masters Hall of Fame. Oh, mm. while we're while we're at it, you are on the executive board now to the Masters Hall of Fame, as mm. well as an alumni. Now, how, how did it come about that you became a board member? Oh well, you know, it was actually a month ago when um, Chairman Heck just 
started talking about the needs of the association and then the vision for the next five years. And um, they've never actually had anyone in a legal capacity um, on the board. And so the more we talked, the more I realized I really need to make a difference uh, in the community in this way. And that's just where we are now. I'm on the board and I'm happy to make a difference. And he's already got me at work and a lot of items and, um, it's it's a lot of work, but it's definitely worth it. Right on. Well, since you mentioned that, Michelle, can you tell us a little bit? You've got this not high profile, but you've got this really interesting career that you know you're still teaching. You're 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 going to do the master's thing. You're you're devoting your time other places. Can you tell us what you do? <laughs> Today is the wrong day to ask me that question because about an hour before I called in to you guys, I was ready to have a breakdown. <laughs> oh, no. Um, oh, nice. Leave oh, no. it to Bob to ask the questions. Um, uh, oh, you know, I, I've got my hands in so many things right now. I, um, I left my uh, healthcare legal affairs position about three months ago, and so I just secured um, – a, a contract with a private equity firm in LA for a bank ac- acquisition because I used to work with FDIC during the last banking crisis. So I'm very grateful for that work and it's fun, but exhausting. And um, I just finished uh, part of a patent today for a friend of a friend. So just a nice little contract there. And, you know, my work with the Masters Hall of Fame, I have private for Lua and Hula. I'm making weapons when I can. Um, there's just so much going on, and then with that, my up, my upcoming event um, would be with Johnny Ray Gasca as the director and um, producer of The Gathering, which is a martial arts cool. horror uh, film, mm-hmm. and it's about 40% shot, and it's just amazing. I mean, the cast is endless, and I'm very grateful to be part of the cast and to demonstrate the Lua, probably for the first time ever on film. Very um, cool. So that is I know. I'm just so blessed by that. And, uh, you know, upcoming is The Immortals with Will Warner as the author and um, the illustrator who's worked with Marvel and and, and all the comic um, big hitters. He's doing a, an illustrative novel, which a lot of the well-known people and um, – you know, I shouldn't actually be involved in it because I'm not well known. <laughs> but you know, the Art Camachos and the Cynthia Rothrocks, um, you know, they're being illustrated in this novel that's going to most likely be a collector's item. So that's just very exciting wow. for me. I'm the inspiration for the character Panther. Um, and um, you know, Femme to Action, that pro wrestling. Um, martial arts uh, TV show is not completely dead in the water. They're working on it. And, um, you know, I just met with one of the executive producers um, a couple weeks ago, and he says they're just repackaging it. So that's an option. And, you know, the, the overwhelming request for Lua DVDs right now is is just, it's, it's floored me. So I'm going to probably work with Soke David Dye and Master Neil Hardin on preparing some Lua DVDs and possibly a YouTube channel for all Hawaiian Lua and Hawaiian art to post, uh, not just Lua. So I think that'd be a really great channel for all of us, um, you know, just to draw information and history um, from, from that channel. So that's, that's going to be something in the works. Um, awesome. I have four, four more things to mention quickly. Um, wow. Master Mike, <laughs> I know, Master Mike Andrus um, has asked me to be featured in his self-defense manual and DVDs, so we'll be working together on that this uh, through year end. 
Um, mm-hmm. Of course, very much looking forward to the Associative Masters Leadership Conference, where hopefully the board will approve the women's symposium. <laughs> oh, I'm so, sure they will. You know, I, I asked yeah. Dan some, some stuff, and he did because I was always his go-to. He'd ask things of people that wouldn't get done. He'd call me up, and they were done in 10 minutes. He was, he, we were having coffee with Frank, and he was, like, gushing about what a good job I was doing for him. So that's yeah. not an issue. It's just I wish it hadn't been scheduled when it did. That's my wife's yeah. 50th birthday. Guess where I'm not going to be that weekend? I'm not oh, going to be at the okay. Association of Masters. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we're going to miss you, Bob. We could use you on the line. I mic. know. Do <laughs> that, Dan? Yeah. <laughs> he's still on the line. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's still on the line. I just stopped him. What was that? He's not. I'm Bob not is not going to join us. Association of Masters. Yeah, he's not going to be able to go to the Association oh, of Masters. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. That's the leadership award. <laughs> oh, well, he has to postpone it. He already, oh, well, you, wait a minute. You, you suck. <laughs> well, let's, let's do this real quick. Let's go ahead and take, uh, let's go ahead and take another call. This is uh, from hey. area code eight eight one eight, and the first three numbers is 645. Who do we have speaking with us? Aaron Huey, how are you? Oh, hey, Aaron. Aaron. <laughs> how you doing? I'm good. I've been listening to you the whole time. It's just that I've been driving and I couldn't call in without my iPhone checking me off. But anyway, yeah, so I've just really uh, been enjoying the conversation. And I've been like with my partner in the car and going, I want to comment on that. I want to comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, you should have. You should have. Even with the even with the traffic noise. (laughs) Well, oh yeah, no, I couldn't. We couldn't get through. We could. We tried getting through on the iPhone. Wouldn't work. But but no, I was gonna. I think Michelle said something really powerful that um, you know, I heard um, talk about you know, uh, Robert being a retired police officer or current. Or that was Dan. Dan, I apologize. Yeah. (laughs) Um, you know, I was in the army twenty years doing, and you know, and. That's, you know, going back to um, uh, something, um, you know, Kuma Michelle said, and that is that you were talking about somebody standing in front of you in a dojo and, you know, Mm -hmm. not capitulating to your rank and all that. And, you know, it goes back to, I think, lineage. Like, you know, if someone's going to leave a lineage, you know, who do they want to leave it to? Somebody who has all the skills or somebody who just has one? And, you Mm -hmm. know... Who do you leave a lineage to? Somebody who also has ethics and embodies the whole art, or do you just leave it to a guy who can tap people out? And um, when I was in the army, I had a woman in Alabama who taught me tongue sado. That was my first teacher, and a lot of the military guys dropped out because they would not do what you were talking about earlier, which was showing respect to other women mm-hmm. or other lower belts. And I think that taking your space. And you two, both you women are such, you know, established, honest to God, whether, you know, no matter how, like, humble you're trying to be, uh, women, as you two are, taking your space as masters and saying, hey, we're here and this is it, and, uh, you know, you you got to kind of, like, be with that. Because I think a lot of the younger girls coming up, I think I'm seeing less women take self-defense on my end of the world uh, than ever before, and I can't figure it out. But I know in the army it was really tough because you're right. I had to keep proving myself, and I can't tell mm-hmm. you how many fights in the army I got into. 
and it was all about shoving people against walls and see who would win. And so, wow. like earlier, mm-hmm. when you said, oh, you know, d- dial it back a notch, you know, I'm the, but, you know, you're very, uh, the two of you are so well held in um, esteem. Hey, never back down from that. Always take your space. Because, you know, the younger women are watching you, you know, like the teenagers. (laughs) 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 And, yeah, Michelle, you're right. You're drop-dead gorgeous. You know, Michelle is drop-dead gorgeous, and nobody would ever think in a fleeting moment she's capable. And it's kind of like I get looks, and people look at me like I'm the scary, you know, I got the scary, you know, uh, lesbian haircut, and everybody's like, oh, you know, and but I'm, <laughs> you, you know, and it's kind of funny the how people have the roles, mm-hmm. and you know, it's like the only thing I could think of was Charlie's Angels, and I'm like, oh my God, you know, are you kidding me? <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, you got to remember, I'm 53, I'm a baby boomer, so you know, we were raised up on that, and oh my gosh, <laughs> yep. and, uh, it's like, <laughs> what was? It's just painful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's a. It. You know. It. It is. It, it's a. It. It. It is tough. You know. Um. And it's. It's. It's great for you to call in, Erin, because, you know, that that was something I was wondering about. I know. I know a lot of women that were in the military, you know, and had to had to prove themselves. You know. Uh. One of my mm-hmm. students, as a matter of fact, you know. I had to captain a boat, and it was the uh, it was a, there were a lot of men that were under her that would that would just automatically question her capabilities to be able to to lead there on the uh, uh, what do they call that when you're like in the control part of a it's, boat? Yeah, it's but, called it's, yeah, it's it's called the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You know, to be able to lead on the bridge, and it's kind of like, and she's she's phenomenally intelligent. You know, and mm-hmm. you know, if there's anyone that you know can run a big boat, you know, it's her. But you know, the something about society, or at least the roles of what the military is supposed to represent, and or even you know, uh, police forces, security forces, you know, the, the, those kind of male-dominated type of professions, I think that, you know, those stereotypes of, you know, where the roles lie, you know, kind of blur the thinking sometimes, and it's, it's, it's kind of sad. Well you, know, <laughs> well, you know, if you don't mind me saying so, just to give you an insight into that, and, and I do believe, come Rascal, I do believe that <clears throat> police work is a couple of shades different than the military, because mm-hmm. in the police work, you have the union, and there is no union in the military. Mm-hmm. And sure. um, you know what? And it, it, good luck with getting the ACLU involved uh, when you're in the military. Um, yeah. You know, we have the UCMJ. So things that are considered sexism in the civilian world are not the same as the military. And mm-hmm. in the military, there's an expression, and that is you are a sailor first, you're a Marine first, and a soldier first, and then you are a fill-in-the-blank. So before you're a commander of a ship, you have to be a sailor. Before I could be a company commander, I had to be a soldier. And the way that you do that is the pecking order is established by physical um, physicality um, and physical capability and um, he who can or she who can run the fastest and the farthest and can do the, you know, mm-hmm. it is about physicality because the whole premise is you will be in a combat situation and, and who's going right. to win. And so when I went through OCS, it was in an era where they were still shoving you against a wall, and they didn't really care that I was a chick. And, I'm, you know, I'm using those terms because that was the terms in that era. I'm not using that because my mm. current for that. 
Right. And it was really just a women would get shoved around and the officers who were running my OCS program turned and looked the other way because mm-hmm. they wanted to know what you as a woman would do about it. And the same right. as on a bridge. could walk up to the commander and say, well, you know what, that's bullshit, I'm not going to do that. Well, now what do you right. do? So I'm just exactly. saying, you know, women had to hold their ground and it has to be held on the basis of, you know, physicality. Anyway, that's my yeah. two cents on it. Well, Am I still right. live on the air? Am I still live on the air? Yeah. Yeah, we've got like I, 30 seconds. <laughs> well, I'm a retired <laughs> master sergeant, and I my last uh, commander before I retired was uh, Major Sarah Bragg, and she by far was the best commander I've had, and I was a right-hand yep. guy. So um, you know, there was a situation where, and I know we got a little bit of time, one of my junior officers uh, was being bullied by a tech sergeant where I had to go educate that tech sergeant as a master sergeant, and we went back wow. to wall-to-wall counseling. So, uh, wow. and then when I came up, it was wall-to-wall counseling, too. Yeah. Wow. Man, you know, I well, wish we could, like, have more time, but we're running on 10 seconds here. So thank you so much, Michelle and Aaron and Ellen, for calling in, and William Christopher Ford. Thank you, Bob. We'll see everyone in two weeks. We'll talk to you cool, everyone cool. next time. What, Bye-bye now. Next week. What we'll see now? you what? next week. We'll we'll see you next Saturday. Yeah, you'll see me next. You'll see me next Saturday. That's right. Sorry about that. Right. It's weird. It's like we're, we're recording now because we're going overtime. But it's weird when it kicks us off the air. It like uh-huh. pumps everything up to like a hundred percent volume. <laughs> I was like, what's with my, That's what's awesome. With my, what's with my stupid music? So no one can no oh. one can hear me swearing at the music now because we're off the air like live. But right. anyway. Thank you. Thank you so much, Michelle, for joining us. And it was so oh, much thanks. fun. It was Are a lot you of sure? fun. I, yeah. I didn't even get to like the women's role in Lua. That's okay. Yeah. Um, well, you know, no, do you think it, we always have a we always have part twos for for uh, for oh, conversation. Oh, you do? Like, yeah. We oh, have part okay. We have part twos all the time. Well, who knew? <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, right? thank you so much. I really appreciate yeah. you two very you. much. It's yeah. our pleasure. We'll bring you on again, okay? Oh, whenever you need me, you just let me know. All right, awesome. Okay, we will. Okay. All, All right, right, have a great Talk week. Talk to you later. Thank you. Thank okay. you. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody, and I'll see you in about however many days, like four days there, Bob. Talk to you later. Right. Talk to okay. you. Bye. Bye.